episode is brought to you by James Mortgage Team. James Mortgage Team is a team of real estate mortgage professionals whose mission is to help anyone with their real estate needs. If you're looking to buy a home, sell a home, refinance your home, have credit issues, or in need of an investment loan, we can definitely help you. If you're looking for a real estate agent, we know the best of the best real estate agents. Visit the link below for more information. Coming on Secret Sauce with Hamilton Lau it is an absolute honor to have you on. I am a super big fan of Everyday Heroes. If you guys don't know, Jessica, she is a registered nurse. Yes. And she actually started her career in the heart of the coronavirus pandemic. Correct. And it's just an incredible story of camaraderie of overcoming hardship i'm sure you can imagine for my viewers everybody has a story during the pandemic and this is to me so important to document what had happened at least from jessica's perspective and especially if you're watching this 100 years from now right <laughs> just to get an account of what was going on at the time of the pandemic you know this is the episode for you so Jessica, thank you again so much. Thank, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I wanted to again peel back the curtain on the secret sauce that makes incredible people incredible. You know how you overcame that situation. You know what was going through your mind at the time. But first, of course, please tell us a little bit about yourself. How you got into nursing? Yeah, just please. Um, so I started um, in 2015 as a nursing assistant. Um, and after a few more years of working as an assistant, I decided to go back to school. I uh, took my prereqs while working and um, I got into the nursing program. Um, I started in 2017, I believe, and um, I did the accelerated program. And then I started working as an RN in 2021. Sorry about the dates because I forget yeah. about the dates. Um, so it was, I had graduated on May 2020, right when the pandemic was getting like severely worse. Um, and I started as a registered nurse as a new grad on a COVID floor. Oh, um, so that was interesting, both scary at the same time, because as a new grad, you know, you're trying to learn everything. And now we're learning something completely new. Um, something that we don't know. Um, so it was, it was scary. Yeah. It was, I would say but it was very scary, but at the same time, um, it was rewarding in a way mm. because I got to meet a lot of, a lot of people. Yeah. Um, the reason why I had actually, I had gotten into nursing was because, um, an experience of mine, my mother, many, many years ago, um, I was about 13 at that time. It was New Year's Eve. Um, she got very, very sick, and we had a little small family event at my sister's house, and um, we, we didn't really know what was going on. She was just complaining of like an earache. Mm. We didn't think much about it. We were just like, all right, just take some Tylenol and just go to bed. Um, and throughout the night, it just got progressively worse, mm. and to the point where she stood up from the bed, and she came out. Um, and her ear started bleeding. She said she felt a pop and it was just bleeding through her ear. So they rushed her to the ER. Um, I was so young. I, I my sister decided to leave. My sister's 11 years older than me. Um, she was like, you know, leave the kids. You know, I have a younger brother one year younger. So we left, we stayed while, um, I stayed with my father and my sister, um, her husband, and uh, my aunt, they all rushed her to the hospital because she became unconscious. Yeah. They put her in a, an induced coma mm -hmm. for three days. I had no idea. My sister didn't tell us for like four or five days until because they weren't sure if my mother was going to make it or not. She ended up developing meningitis and it traveled all the way to her brain. Wow. So um, I guess when that pop happened, like, I don't know if the bacteria just somehow just kind of spread everywhere. Um, so they had to put her in a coma to kind of let her rest. 
And after she was able to get out of the coma and she got better, I was able to see her. And that is when I will never forget, actually, I, it took me a month to go and see her. And I sat there and I remember like seeing the staff, seeing like the nurses and like looking around the room. And I thought like as absurd as it would sound like I would see like in the back, like because we have like the oxygen, we have like the blood pressure cuffs, like for manual uh, blood pressures. I thought it was like the coolest thing, Mm. you know. And I remember seeing this wonderful nurse. I, I don't even know her name. And she was just like, you know, being so compassionate to my mom and, you know, being, you know, taking her time and like, you know, educating her and like, you know, giving her the medications. This is what I'm going to give you and this and that. And I remember telling my mom, like, you know, I want to be that. Like she made such a impact on me that I saw how much they took care of my mom and they practically saved her life. And I, I just admired that. I admired like the whole nursing aspect as well as the doctors and the PAs, everybody that was involved in my mom's care. And I think that's really where everything started for me, where I knew that I wanted to care for people the same way that they cared for my mom. Wow. And that's probably, I would say, why I went into the nursing route because... I want to make a difference in my patients. I, I really do. I want to make the same impact that those nurses make me like that for your mom, for yeah. my mom. I want to do that for them. As wow. Well. You know, it's like something to be said about the emotional health of people, not just the, the physical health, right? Yeah. If you're in this weird, strange place that you've never been to, you don't know what kind of surgery, what exactly is being done on you, right? There's just that extra, sense of comfort i mean that sense of comfort could be what be is working the miracle to make somebody you know heal or potentially get better you know i'm not a doctor or anything <laughs> i'm just saying, i'm just saying like you know I, I could imagine somebody that feels happy and comfortable they would be you know more energetic or potentially can get better you know quicker or even uh, heal faster compared to somebody who's miserable or I don't know this is just exactly, yeah. brain fart I don't know <laughs> but um but wow that's incredible thank yeah. you so much for no that problem. um so I guess that kind of lays the foundation for yourself when yes. you when you go, go to work and really want to help and you know uh, those patients that you're working with right oh that's amazing so from there on I guess you know you, you got into um, nursing assistant, nursing yes. assistant program at uh, St. Francis, right? Your local hospital. And uh, yeah, tell us about that experience. I think you started in 2017. To, so I, as a nursing assistant, I started in 2015. Oh, 2015. Yeah, right. 2015. 2015. Um, so what we have is we have a comfort care uh, uh, provider, CCP, what mm-hmm. they call it. Oh. It took me a second there. Um, so that's a little bit below from being a PCA, which is a patient care uh, provider, which is a little bit more responsibility. Um, I did a CCP job for a, G, uh, a year, um, day shift. And then when I started thinking about going back to school and I had to take the prereqs, um, I went to become a PCA and then I worked in the evenings. From and PCA stands for? For patient care provider. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, patient care associate. Oh, sorry. okay. Um, so I did that for about, uh, six years, I right, believe. Right, yeah. Yeah, right. that makes sense. Yeah, for six years. Right. And, um, it was interesting. Um, I stayed in the same unit. I worked in a med search unit, um, telemetry. Um, I met so many people from all around the world, honestly. Um, even from some famous people to, you know, regular people. Um, but... You know, everybody has their own, you know, different cases of, you know, why they're coming to the hospital. And it was, yeah, it was uh, an interesting time. Um, And it really helped me develop to become a better nurse. Right. Um, Because I wasn't that afraid. I remember my first time, like my first week on training as a CCP, 
I wouldn't want to get near the patient. I was so scared because like every beep, like sound or alarm, it was like, (laughs) like, did I touch something? Or like, was I not supposed to do that? Or like if the patient would like scream or something, I'll be like, oh my God, like I'm never getting near the patient. So like that fear, like slowly kind of just went away. And um, yeah, no, it it really prepared me to become a nurse. Because like once I uh, became a nurse, like, it was second nature. Like yeah. it, I just knew what I needed to do. You know, re- the responsibilities change. Um, you know, you have a life in your hands now. Yeah. So it's a little bit, you know, intimidating at times, you know, because like, you know, you're trying to do the best as possible for your patient. And, you know, and the responsibility a lot of the times is um, your clinical decision, what you think is best for the patient. Right. So it's a lot of critical thinking that you have to really think. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, when you, when you became a nursing assistant, you know, at, during that time, was it what you had expected? Especially thinking back to, you know, your childhood experience. Was it something that, you know, did it off, was it off-putting for you? Or was it like, wow, this is exactly what I'm meant to do? Did you get I Yeah, no, I felt like <laughs> I knew that this is what I wanted to do. Wow. I, I knew from, from like, even from working from day shift to evening shift to night shift, I knew, like, from, I, I was like, the relationship that you build with these patients, it's truly amazing, you know. I love having a conversation with the patient because, like, you learn a lot and I learn a lot for myself as well. Um, I've gone through so many experiences throughout all those years and I, I just knew, I just having that caring, compassionate, you know, it's just like, I guess like maybe like I would say where, how would I put it into words? Um, it's just that trusting bond mm. that you have, that they trust you. With everything. With everything. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard enough to trust somebody, you know, especially a total stranger. So it's just very rewarding. And I knew that this is what I wanted to do. And, you know, I appreciated every single moment of it um, during all that time, whether it was, you know, pre-pandemic. But, but yeah, it was very, it was very nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you got into the accelerated nursing program in 2017 and, you know, you're, you progressed through it up until 2020, right? The the year that kind of changed it all for, for the world, right? And it, it must have been an interesting experience because you graduated in May, and right? May of yeah. 2020. And lockdown, I believe, started happening around March. Yes. So there was like an interesting two months, right? At that yeah. time. Like, t- talk, talk yeah. about that a little so bit. So when I was in, um, I did a lot of commuting to go all the way out to uh, New Rochelle. Um, was that for school? Or for school, okay. yeah. So... I was taking a class, uh, it was a community class actually, and um, they, we, it wasn't serious yet at that time, they were, it was kind of thrown in the air about, oh, there's a new virus, um, you know, just be careful, this and that. And then I remember my professor said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we're gonna end up going, like doing remote classes, like through Zoom or something like that, because I think like it's, it's gonna come here. And all of us, we were like, no, there's no way, there's no way. I'm like, we have it all under control. You know, you know how like sometimes the social media and like, you know, the media as well, like they try to portray something a little too much or be dramatic about it. So we're like, there's no way. And during, I believe it was like around March, um, we, I think where I was in New Rochelle, that was the epicenter that started that we had that first COVID yeah. patient and some of the clinical instructors um, were working in the hospital where this <clears throat> individual was. Um, and some of them, I guess they didn't know that, you know, the, how it was transmitted at that time. So a certain people ended up getting COVID. Mm. So from that, then it passed on to some, um, some students and went to like, you know, some professors, it just kept on like just getting wow. worse and worse. That's that must have been a crazy experience. It was because like you, yeah. we're like, oh my God, like um 
like you don't know it's like oh they tested positive and in new rochelle yeah, new where rochelle, you were going to right. school <laughs> i was just like oh my god like that's i was crazy. with that teacher yeah. the other day yep. you know so you're you, you know you're like thinking about yourself I'm like oh my god did i get like you know did i have do i have covid so then eventually they started changing the classes to going just on zoom at that time we they were trying to figure out how to use blackboard yeah Cause like we never done this before. Oh we yeah, never that's done right. This before, so, so so just a little context for our viewers. Um, if you're if it's like a hundred years from now and you're wa and you're watching this, I remember too. Um, the the person that got infected initially, he, he was traveling from Grand Central and oh. <laughs> yeah, and I think he lived in New Rochelle, and yeah. by the time he actually got sick. They had sent a bunch of people, you know, the, the tracers yes. and, you know, it was already breaking news that, you know, he had, didn't really had any symptoms for about like a week or two or yeah. something like that. And he's already been traveling to Grand Central. I remember I was in Queens and I'm like, oh, oh we're yeah. sure everybody yeah. got it. That's what I'm like, at this <laughs> you know, point like, I was, yeah, it was just like, it. you know, <laughs> it was literally really that's like, oh, geez. Yeah, it was so pretty crazy. It yeah. was, it was a lot. So we... You know, having to transition from going to classroom to now everything yeah. online, it was a lot. Yeah. You know, having to take the test. The last class like, that you had yeah, to take to graduate, class. right? Exactly. And I'm like, oh, you know, what, what do we do? You know, and it was, it was tough to deal with because some people's like didn't have laptops. There was no, uh, you know, like their cameras weren't working or, you know, like it depended on their schedule too, like to see when we can fit time. Um, it was an adjustment, I would say, to having to do everything through, you know, video. And, um, but we got, we managed Absolutely. and we, I graduated. Um, though my graduation, as I told you before, I had it on a, a screen. And that, that was pretty much it. You know, I missed out on, you know, my pinning ceremony mm. and walking down, you know, which things that I, you know, I worked so hard on becoming a nurse and, you know, nobody knew how severe the pandemic, you know, the COVID was going to get and how it really affected everywhere, all around the world, not just, you know, here in the United States, but, you know, it, everywhere. And, um... You know, I, I, at least I don't feel so left out that I didn't get like, you know, like mm -hmm. a proper graduation. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm happy I'm a registered nurse. Yes. And I did, you know, I became, you know, a professional, I yeah. guess I would say. It must have been a, <laughs> a strange experience during that Zoom graduation, right? Because the person that was facilitating <laughs> the event, it's like, what do you say to nurses that are about to be sent out into the field where you don't know what is happening you don't know how to treat this this virus and for many students they may be going you know to, to their death right yeah. because you don't even know exactly but, yeah. but if you if you remember like uh can you talk um, a little bit about what what the director was saying <laughs> honestly he he was very brief yeah. I wouldn't say he right. really said anything much about it. Mm. I think he just kind of said, you know, um, I hope all you guys are safe in your right. family. Um, but at that time, too, there was a little bit of a shortage of nurses yeah. um, because, it, it, like, you know, the hospitals were full of COVID. And there were so many patients. At this time, it was May. Right. Exactly, and we didn't have enough staff. Right. So they were giving permission for people who had graduated, but not like as a permit that you could use before until you take your, your NCLEX. Right. So you could still practice, but with certain limitations, obviously. Right. And, um, you know, it was scary because I remember I was about to do that. And then I'm like, oh, geez, like, I don't know if, if I should do it. Or what if I don't pass my NCLEX? Like, you know, because of the stress level. as. Yeah working and trying to study right um and also you can jeopardize your you know your license so i was like i, I best not yeah, do it right, right i'd rather just go slow even though everything took a long time because for to just even to take the test 
um, there was such limited seats and I had to keep on looking to see if uh, like October came, November came, and then finally I was able to do it in December. And that's when I um, took the test and I passed. Right. That was in 2020? In 2020, oh, right, yeah. And then when I started working as a nurse was in January of 2021. Right, right. So after you graduated from May, I think you went back into as a reg uh, uh, nursing assistant, right? Back at St. Francis. Yeah, just, I was uh, working as a nurse. Right, assistant. right. So, so please, like, tell us how that experience was like going into the heart of the fire, right? Yeah. Because, um, you know, please. Yeah, it's... <laughs> so we had, um, our unit actually was the first uh, that we had the first uh, COVID patient. And uh, we have like two rooms where like they're negative pressure rooms. They're like are able to get whatever that's in the room. It sucks it out and goes through a different vent. No. Um, yeah. So I remember with my colleagues, you know, we were curious, but at the same time, we were terrified to go into the room, you know, cause like we would see like a, bu sorry, sorry. a bunch of, um, a bunch of signs all over and saying like they were, weren't sure if it was airborne. Then they said that it was contact, meaning you have to wear a gown. They weren't sure if it was like either droplet where you have to wear like, you know, right. a regular, like a surgical mask. Right. And, like and this was like your first experience yeah, like our first, into, like, the building. into the building. Like, it's like, oh, I was just like, oh my God. Like I, you know, I remember people didn't want to go in there. Like, you know, but the patient looked fine. You know, like you didn't see any symptoms, like what they say, like, oh my God, you know, how like in the media they would say like, oh, like if you have COVID, like you might end up, you know, dying right. and this and that. Right. Um, but it wasn't like that. And um, after I had left, uh, I was off for a couple of days, for like three days. I come back. I remember, we only had one patient. I come back, the whole unit, we have, you know, two beds in each room, was packed, 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 with all COVID patients. Wow. With all COVID patients. So, you know, in that point, I was just like, wow, this is serious. Like, this is right. not a joke anymore, yeah. you know? And, you know, every person was different. People had respiratory problems where they couldn't breathe. Um, others, you know, have had very mild symptoms, like either they lost their sense of smell or, you know, their sense of taste, like little mild symptoms. But because you have COVID, you know, their first instinct is to go to the hospital. Like, that's it. Like, let's see if we can treat it. Um, because obviously, you know, we were hearing a lot that people were dying, they were gasping for air, like, so it was terrifying coming back and seeing, wow, like it took in a matter of three days for this entire unit to be filled with COVID patients. Um, so that, that was, uh, that was scary. Well, I remember scary. hearing the news report at the time that the, um, the emergency service providers, um, the, the ambulances, the EMS that were going out there, um, they were actually, when they were picking up the phone, they were saying, hey, are you, if you're not dying at this point, you know, like if you can't breathe, you know, then we'll come. But like, if, if it's just symptoms, you're getting symptoms, like stay home for yeah. quarantine for two weeks. And, um, you know, and that's as a result of this huge flood, this huge wave of people just, getting these symptoms suddenly and like a lot of people were just not able to breathe and they had to go to the hospital and you were I guess the destination for that huge wave that was coming yeah, in this hospital was, that you were working a, at. It was yeah it was a very like you know like I said very scary time because you know what do you do? Yeah. We don't know. And there wasn't any, like, enough beds at the there time. There was right? not right. enough beds and right. then it you know the ER is piling. Um, I think they try to call like a diversion where like we can't fit any more people so they have to go to other hospitals um, to see if there's enough beds there. Um, but it, it just, you know, we're having more and more patients and some of them, you know, you know, they're gasping for air and, you know, all we could do is, you know, put like either a nasal cannula, which is like a, like a little bit of oxygen that they receive. Um, to try to keep them as comfortable as possible, but we didn't know what treatments to do. We didn't know how to stop this, you know, so in people like, like you said, um, with mild symptoms, even though like 
they they could have been perfectly fine at home as long as like if they had any respiratory issues where they're having a hard time breathing yeah then go to the hospital um but most of the time we did get a lot of patients that are very mild um it wasn't like that you know severe um but we always took in priority the ones that were struggling to breathe mm. because we were intubating patients left and right. Um, and, and just so our viewers that don't know, what does that mean, intubating? Where we, we put like a ventilation where it's able to, for them to breathe, give the lungs a rest, and it's doing the ventilation for you. Oh, I see. It's like a machine it's that. A machine, yeah. Oh, that infamous machine that we all yeah. heard about, right? <laughs> that, that, that also hospitals didn't have enough of at the yes. time, right? Yeah. Wow, so a lot of people came you know, and got on that. Yeah. And, and you know, I did hear some accounts that the machine, it, even though they get hooked up, sometimes it wasn't help, it didn't help no. because it was just so- It was so a little too late at times. Um, most of the time, uh, people would wait way too late right when the, the symptoms got way worse um, and waited until they couldn't breathe. And then at that point, there was, really low chance of you being able to survive um, because then you know your lungs fill up and then you know your lungs get tired from so much of of the gasping of you know breathing and no matter what we do whether we giving you oxygen or the high flow which is uh, more intense oxygen nothing seems to be working mm. then the last resort is to intubate right. and some unfortunately didn't make it and some actually recovered um that were able to get extubated and you know they're alive now right um but you know we did run out of you know things i think everywhere uh mostly all the hospitals we run out of masks we run out of gloves we run out of gowns um because we don't we didn't know how this was transmitting at that time because they were changing their minds all the time um, so I remember just, I would have like two masks, an N95 on top of it. And at points where it would be, it would be so tight that you would develop ulcers here, oh, like pressure injuries yeah. from, from wearing for long periods of time. But it was the only way that could protect you, you know, and, and it was a tough time. Yeah. Now from, from May, from your graduation all the way up until January, where you know I'm assuming a position that opened for you at St. Francis. Um, during that time, again, you came back as a uh, nursing assistant, and you had I'm, I'm sure you had opportunity to say, "Hey, wow, this is nuts. I'm, I don't want to do this." Right? Yeah. And did that thought ever occur to you that this isn't for me? Maybe I should choose another career path. You know, because that's just you know not enough beds. People are dying left and right. Yeah. Did it ever occur to you? Again, your life is on the line. That's true. I mean. I would say I, I thought about it, but then eventually I knew, I'm like, no, this is what I signed up for. I knew I wanted to be a nurse and, you know, I just wanted to be there for the patients. Otherwise, who else is going to do it right. if nobody's there, you know? And um, like I said before, I want to make a difference in my patient's life. And I knew what I was getting myself into. I knew that I was also putting my family at risk as well. Um, with contracting COVID and um, I knew the risks that came with it, but I was determined and I knew, and I, you know, I was a brand new grad. I was excited, you know, I was energized and I was ready to just go and do it. Yeah. I think especially since, you know, you were new at the time, I, I feel like when people encounter a new experience, especially if it's a hard experience, you know, there's a sense of like a sink or a swim type of a mentality. It's like, okay, wow, this is really hard. You know, should I run? Should I continue? You know, you know, were there any coping mechanisms that you had at the time? Because this is no joke. People are dying left yeah. and right. You don't, you don't know if, Hey, the next day that I go to work might be my last day, you know, was, yeah. you know, you know, what got you through that time? I would say my coworkers mm. for sure. Um, there was a lot of support from both and we were all there for a mission to make sure that these patients were stable, make it out alive. Um, and we all supported one another. Mm -hmm. If honestly, I, I wouldn't know what I would, I would have done if I didn't have them. We all helped each other. We had such great, great teamwork. 
Um, we all like, you know, we'll help each other out. You need somebody to be medicated, you know, like what's going on? Do you need help? You know, that was, you know, I would say my, like my support, yeah. like my, your secret, so my, your secret yeah. sauce yeah. at those the time. Were, those were my <laughs> girls and guys as yeah. well. Yes. And they, you know, I got to say that if it wasn't for them, honestly, I don't know. I don't know how I would have, I would have done because it is, um, in a way mentally draining, um, to see, you know, these patients and also to you kind of felt isolated as well. And they felt isolated, the patients as well, because they couldn't see their family members. Um, everything was through FaceTime and, you know, I was their family member in that moment. So, you know, I try to bring in, be compassionate, always build conversation. I wasn't afraid anymore. In the beginning, I would say, yeah, I was afraid maybe because I didn't know what it would do to me um, or my family. I didn't even know if I would lose my parents, the people wow. that the two people that I was trying to protect the most, you know. Um, and then once I end up getting COVID, I, I was like, you know what? There's nothing to be afraid of, you know. <laughs> there was nothing right. to be afraid. I would just go into the rooms with no hesitation, even though I was putting my life at risk. But um, I knew what I was determined to and, you know, just like, you know, making patients feel like, you know, they're, it's not home, but somewhat feel like they're a human being. They're not just a patient, you know. They're... Coming back to that foundation that, exactly that experience that you had as a, as a kid, right? Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, and, and was there like a sense of inspiration from watching your coworkers as well? Cause, oh, cause yeah. you weren't, you weren't doing this alone, as you were mentioning, yeah. there was a sense of camaraderie and, you know, seeing others go through hardship, whether easier, uh, you know, less hardship or more hardship than you. Did it, did you draw inspiration from them as well to continue because oh, yeah. you saw that? It gave me a lot of courage. Um, a lot of Can strength. you talk about yeah. that? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of courage to not be afraid and just, you know, give it all you got. Mm. You know, I think a lot of the times if they're not afraid, why should I be afraid? You know? Wow. I felt like that in that sense, um, and it, it made me a stronger person, a stronger nurse, um, to treat these patients better, or, or, you know, but it really, it gave me a lot of courage. I would say a lot of courage and, you know, strength. I would say a lot of strength. Yeah, wow. So, uh, so you got the position in January. Needless to say, there was no hesitation. I'm taking this yeah. position, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much. I, I knew what I was getting myself into, and I, I was just like, okay, it's fine. I'm sure it'll get better. Yeah. Um, in time, you know how they said it was gonna only take a year. It will take a year, and it will go away. Obviously, nobody knew it was gonna be, you know, two years, almost going to, you know, three yeah. years. Yeah. Right. Um, but now, obviously, we know what's working. We, you know, we had experimented a little bit with medications to see what's effective, what can improve their symptoms. Also with the vaccinations too, were a big help, even though, you know, it turned into kind of a political where they didn't want to take the vaccinations and things like that, yeah. you know, so that was another. Yeah, I and mean, what was interesting was at the time when the pandemic, you know, everybody was on lockdown in March, 2020, there was no vaccines until, I mean, there was, I think there were talks of it December around November, December of 2020, yeah. there were talks of vaccines, yeah. you know, and it really wasn't rolled out publicly. I mean, I remember I got mine. I tried to be one of the first people to get it <laughs> at the time. I think I got mine like uh, April or May of, of 2021. So it wasn't until like, it wasn't publicly available for like something like nine months to a year, yeah. you know? So uh, during that entire time, you know, it's, it was just amazing and incredible to me that, you know, there was no vaccine at the time. You don't, you didn't know what was, it was going to do to you. People were dying left and right, you know, and despite all of that, despite this burning, this burning building of COVID, yeah. right. You and your, you know, colleagues decided, Hey, I'm not running away from that. I'm going to go straight into it, which again, to me is the definition of a hero. So th thank you again, you know, no, thank you again so much for, for all the service that you and your, your colleagues do. Um, so, once you became a nurse, you know, talk about your experiences then. I mean, because I know at the time, uh, the, the issue with the beds weren't, it wasn't like the full, you know, pandemic. There were a 
that shortage, right? It was like in waves, I believe. It was there in were waves. Times, right. Yeah, there was times like, for example, like winter time, like November, December, October. Uh, we noticed that it will be like a, like all of a sudden of influx of patients. Now, when it would turn into the warmer months, like probably around May, you know, June, like to maybe I'll say September, um, you will see less and less. So the restrictions were getting less, you know, so, but then eventually we were getting ourselves mentally prepared knowing that by the time that October or November hits, we knew we're probably going to get another influx. It, it, it feels like how that COVID kind of took over the flu because like... Mm during the flu seasons we would get an influx of people with flu all the time but because we were wearing the masks you know you didn't see any more flu anymore it looked like flu had converted to covid mm. and that was the new norm now right that was what we were going to have right. to deal with right as far as the patients that were coming exactly. in the needs right it just became like, covid 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 it was just all covid every mm. time we were just testing people left and right with the pcrs um, and it wasn't even, we would throw in just like a flu just to be sure it's not flu, but no, it'll come back negative and then they'll come back positive, COVID positive. So, you know, it was, it, it, it came in waves, I would say definitely during the winter months, it was a little bit more, um, tough because then we have to rearrange what units will take the COVID patients. Um, as well as the ICUs, there's certain ICUs that have to be just like focused on like surgical patients that are like, you know, or um, as well as like for hospice, um, the oncology unit, they couldn't be near because they're immune compromised. Exactly. So um, things like that, we had, they had to kind of figure it out. And I think it's like, you know, in every hospital, they have to find some sort of it. The patient had to go somewhere. Um, so... But once we we kind of knew what place. we're heading right. to, we kind of knew what we were doing. Right. Um, so it kind of worked out eventually as time went on until yeah. we figured out what, what's going on. But yeah, that was uh, an interesting time, I would say. Yeah, it was, it was scary. <laughs> I, I have to ask you, you know, in a profession where you're surrounded, especially during this pandemic time, in a profession where you're surrounded by death and you know so much you know people that are coming in who otherwise would probably be healthy then suddenly they catch this you know, you know this virus and they just go in a few weeks right i mean talk about any perspective changes that you've gained you know just from seeing hey just a regular person suddenly otherwise healthy suddenly get coronavirus and then they pass away was there a perspective a, a new perspective that you gained that maybe the audience can uh, can benefit? Um, I would say more that I should, um, I guess, not to take my life for granted, to enjoy every day as if it was your last. Um, be with your family more. Because I think that we needed that break. We needed that lockdown to really focus because I think people were so focused on work mm -hmm were focused on their cell phones and mm. everything else that we lost that sense of touch of having to feel, be with family, mm. like actually have a conversation with family members and just feel the love. And I think I, I learned to, you know, live my life as happy as I can be in a positive way. Um, so I would say in that way that I really cherish the moments that I had, you know, during March and where the lockdown was because those were the fun times for me, even though it didn't consist of having to go out to a restaurant or, you know, go out somewhere else. But I was just there with family, you know, mm. it was, we were all together finally sitting down with not having any restrictions or somebody having to go to work or, you know, everything was from home. Like, but for me, obviously I had to work at a hospital, but those are the moments that, I cherish the most, I would say. And, most um, memorable for you. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Because like you really got to appreciate your life and really reflect on things that you probably didn't focus on so much. Like, you know, being, like I said, with your family um, or with your friends, you know, your closest friends. Um, 
so there was a lot of things that I learned about myself too during that time. But um, yeah, I would say like, you know, live your life. Yeah. Live your life as if it was your last because you never know. You never yeah. know. Uh, talk to us about the experience when, during a time when there wasn't enough beds and suddenly the person had to be uh, incubated, I believe it's called, right? Incubated and... Oh, intubated. Intubated, sorry. Sorry, intubated. Sorry, not a medical... <laughs> <Okay. laughs> sorry, intubated. But, you know, and it's one of those situations where they're probably not going to make it because of COVID. I mean, you know, without naming names, of course, like, you know, what was that like to see, you know, family come in and it might be the last time that they see the person, you know, um, so I had a uh, patient, actually this is one that was still about to graduate. Um, I, a lady was actually pressing the call bell mm. and I went into the room and um, she was like gasping, gasping for air. And she was like telling me I can't breathe. So I was telling her, just calm down. Just, I was like kind of showing her just take some deep breaths, just relax. Cause like it's also anxiety as well. Cause like, you're panicking, so you're over hyperventilating yourself. You're, you're, so I told her, I said, just relax, it's okay. And um, I just noticed, like, because she was on a non rebreather, what we call that is it's 100% oxygen. It's a bag that you wear, like a little mask here in a bag, where it's giving you 100% oxygen, just flowing right through. That wasn't even working. So I uh -huh. remember. I was like, oh my God, this lady's not doing well. So what we would do is we would put the patients in a prone position where, where we have them on their bellies so it can their lungs can expand. I told her, I said, just go, go on your belly. I said, and start like, like kind of like hover over like this and just breathe. I said, just breathe and breathe. And that wasn't helping, so I had no choice. I, I called the nurse. And I said, you know, she's having a difficult time. She's desatting on her oxygen. I believe when I looked at it, she was like around 78, which is very low. You want it between 92 to 100. Um, so she calls, you know, the PA, she calls the doctors and they're like, okay, we're going to intubate. That's it. So she, at first she was like, no, 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 I don't want to get intubated. And we weren't allowing family members at that time. So they were like, you need to call your family now. We're going to FaceTime them now because you're going to get intubated right now. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. And they, they didn't even have time. They, they weren't picking up. Mm. And that was it. Wow. She got intubated. But she, to this day, honestly, I don't know if she made it out alive. I don't know. But the, the fact that, like, you know, when it comes to a decision like that and, you know, you have seconds to tell your family, like, at least your goodbyes and, you know, and you can't. Right. Like, you know, we're trying to save you. And it, it, was, it was hard for me. That was very traumatic uh, because I never seen an intubation before um, that was my very first oh, this time. was during when you were a nursing assistant yeah you just was, started as a nursing assistant not, not just started but after you graduated after like right. a, after I had graduated right. I was you know I was like oh my god like this is what an intubation consists of usually most of the time patients go to the ICUs and get intubated there mm -hmm. but this time they did it right there at the bedside and they didn't have time to wait for family to say okay yeah yeah you know bye you know, at that time we were just waiting for FaceTime to say, okay, say your goodbyes. Right. Because there was literally a low chance that you might die. You know, I mean, uh, so, that you survive. might make it. Yeah, yeah. that you might So uh, once you're, in, at the time, once you're intubated. The likelihood of you getting extubated is. Low. Like low. And, and I, I, I think you were mentioning that at the height, it was like six per day that was getting intubated. Right? I believe, yeah. Around there. Around, around, there. around there until wow. we started running out of machines. We had to use uh, um, different types of older machines that we had there wow. um, to keep these patients, you know, yeah. safe. And, and sometimes, yeah. sometimes families were able to get on FaceTime and say their goodbyes. And sadly, sometimes no, like it just exactly. like, you wow. know, that it was um, it was sad. Yeah. I would say it was a sad time because. You know, some people didn't make it. Yeah. We tried our best and 
you know, COVID just, you know, COVID had no boundaries. It, yeah. it, it didn't matter whether if you were rich, poor, you know, the most educated, you could have been a doctor or a nurse, a nursing assistant, anything. COVID didn't care. Right. It'd take whoever, you know, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, would you say, you know, as, as you were mentioning that, you definitely, that big lesson that you took was to not take your life for granted because you just, I mean, what, you know, we're, we're luckily not in the heart of the pandemic anymore. It's 2023 for those that you are listening. And right now we're not, yeah. we don't have masks on, unfortunately, you know, uh, there's vaccines out and you know, everybody is, we still hear some talks about COVID, but it's not, but it's not as, like as much as front page it. news yeah. as it was in the height of the pandemic, yeah. you know? So fortunately, you know, we're okay now, but there was a time when, you know, it was kind of the end, like you, you yeah. know, you got it. And it was just like, Oh boy, that's it. You know? So yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, much. yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, definitely a, you know, a, a big lesson was not to take your life for granted, but was there another experience that you've had where it's just like, you know, uh, the, the experience with the lawyer. I mean, this was, uh, this was pre pandemic. This was pre pandemic. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, just, I guess as an additional anecdote for our viewers, sure. um, could you talk about a little bit about that? Like, the, you know, uh, along the lines of not taking your life for granted because you just never know. Yeah. Um, um, so I had, uh, this patient, um, I was in between two rooms and I was going go to go attend to the other patient right next door. And um, I saw a doctor go into the room and I somehow decided to stay in between trying to fix one of the boards that we have there. And I heard the doctor say to the patient, like, you're not going home, you're going to die and you're going to stay here. And then he walked out. Um, so in that moment for like, in, I knew that I had to kind of stay like, I was thinking to myself, did he just say that, that he was going to die? It took me like a, a couple seconds, and I remember I knew he was going to press the call bell. I'm talking about the patient. And um, he pressed the call bell, and I remember going in. I took a deep breath, and then I was like, hey, you know. And then I sat down right next to his bed because he was sitting in the chair. And he was like, you know, just um, I need to talk to you. So I was like, yeah, you know, what's up? And then he was like, you know, the doctor just told me I'm going to die. So like in that moment, you're thinking like, what do I say? There's nothing that I can say to make this patient feel better. Although I could come up with it was like, I'm, I'm really sorry. Like, I'm so sorry. I was like, I just don't know what to say to you. And then uh, he was like, why don't you like, you know, stay here for a bit. And uh, you know, I just want to talk about you, about my life. He had told me that he was a lawyer um, that he had, um, two beautiful children and he was very successful at his job, but he said the, one of the biggest regrets that he's had is that he focused so much on work that he didn't focus on his family. And he says he wishes that he could take back that time and maybe put the job and not be so, you know, focused on it that yeah. he would see his children grow but he was so invested in making money that he said look he's like I have all this money and there's nothing I can mm. do mm. you know what is the money gonna do now nothing yeah. you know so in that moment you know it was it was nice to hear him like just kind of vent and tell me about you know things that has gone through his life um, him, you know, going through a second marriage, um, he didn't have any kids with the second wife, but his kids were all grown up, you know, they had their own lives. Um, but like, I guess maybe because he was not such a included or involved in their life, they, I guess the children weren't as involved in his, I would say they were more isolated, uh, to him, but it was just nice to to hear from his perspective from a very successful lawyer knowing that you know he achieved all these things and he still had regrets mm -hmm. you know you would think a professional being like you have everything that you wanted you have all the money the nice houses the cars you have everything but 
it's that moment like that moment where you kind of reflect and you think you know not money is always happiness because you, know? you can't you can't take that yeah, with you right you can't but but you know what you but can like, take is like the emotions exactly and the, the memories love, you know the like feeling the right. feeling of feeling loved and you know and i think that's what he wanted to tell me about that like wow. he had that regret and i think it was a way of him telling me in a sort of way like focus on your family like be close to your parents like and don't focus yeah having a career is nice don't get me wrong and you know trying to make money being living comfortably but also don't forget that you have a family i think that's where he was trying to say that not always money brings happiness you know it's families the memories is the love and i think that's what he was trying to tell me um unfortunately you know he uh, he ended up yeah he passed Absolutely. away um, but I did tell him that um, that day that he shouldn't feel alone, that we're all there for him. Because he did feel alone. He felt alone. Nobody really came to visit him. It was just like his wife. And, you know, I said, I'm going to be there. Don't worry, I'm going to be there. And I was there for the last day that I saw him. And um, that's when he passed away. And, and, you know, it seems like everybody, especially nowadays with the Internet, everybody, looking for something to say during a hard time you know but yeah. sometimes there's nothing you can say yeah. right except just being there just exactly. letting them know that they're not alone right exactly yeah so it, 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 if there's any consolation you know definitely from our, for our viewers you know don't get in people's faces when they're going through hard times you know just letting people know that you're there for them that's exactly. good that's good yeah. enough sometimes and it's good to like, you know, just be a presence, even though you don't have to say anything. Yeah. It's just, you know, you just have to hear and have like, you know, be a listener. Sometimes people just want to be heard yeah. and things that they could have done differently in their life. And maybe they couldn't say it in that moment or it was too late already. But um, I feel like being a great listener and just kind of just letting them vent out you learn from that in a way and i feel like from that knowing you know hold your family close and that's all you have is your family they're yeah. your support system they're always there for you um no matter what no matter yeah. what i remember you were talking about a an account with the father had like an issue with uh oh, yes. can, you, can you talk a little oh, bit about that um yeah i i had a patient who this is another patient um, who had told me that um, one of his regrets was pretty much um, isolating his daughter uh, because she married a man that he did not approve of. So he had not spoken to her for about 20 years. 20 years. 20 years. Wow. And he was telling me about it. He was like, you know, if I would have known now, he's like, I, I never met my grandchildren. Um, I wish I could speak to her and tell her how much I miss her and how much I love her. And, and this was somebody that was about to pass at this point. No, right? he actually, he's, he's, he's good. He's oh, alive. Oh, yeah. oh, is he? Is he? Oh, okay. But, <laughs> no, but, I, but he came to this but realization. He, he, yeah. Like for some reason, people just like to tell me about their life stories, but, um, no, but I, I know what the reason is because you're awesome. Yeah. Okay? Oh, you're, well, thank you. Because you're supportive and you make people just, I, I would imagine, you fulfilling your childhood aspiration of being that nurse that is just so comforting and being and being there for people right just going through their their medication and just making them feel like everything is going to be yeah. like a comforting feeling everything's yeah. okay and that's why people yeah open up to you <laughs> that's probably like but I, I guess i'm like a therapist in, in yeah. secret in secret but um but yeah no he told me that he um yeah. he regret having to completely stop talking to his daughter because of the man that she married. Yeah. And, you know, in that point, I said, well, why, you know, why don't you just give her a call? I mean, it's easy for me to say to, hey, like, just call her. Maybe she wants to hear from you or, you know, but I remember he, he said, no, no, I, I, I can't do that. No, it's, it's been too much time and 
um, she, she doesn't want nothing to do with me and this and that. So I was like, well, you don't know. You will never know. But I'm like, you know, he was like, it's too much time had passed. And he was like, I just wish that if I can go back in time, though I didn't agree with her marriage, I would have still been there, even though I don't have to associate myself with the man, but I would have been one to be in that part of her life. Wow, that's and that's it's incredible. it's tough in a situation yeah. because like you don't know what these all these patients go through. You know, you're seeing a patient that's sick. You know, you don't really know their life story. Um, and every single time, you know, every patient, every it's a whole different thing. And you know, the fact that this man had a regret of not talking to his daughter. And how much of an impact it, you know, after all these years it left. And he cried about it. And I said, just, you know, just let it out. It's fine. I said, I'm sure your daughter, deep down, she knows that you still think about her. You know, even him remembering and trying to put himself together. um, But, you know, things, you know, happen for a reason. And I said to him, if it was meant to be, then you guys will find a way to contact each other and, you know, get back right. and, you know, put the differences aside or whatever had happened. You know, everybody has their own story. Right. And um, hopefully, you know, I hope things work out for you. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's sad. It like, is. it's, you know. It is. And, you know, during the time that you, ha- you saw him, uh, during in, in intensive care unit, right? Yeah. During that time that you, you saw him, it you, you never know, he could have passed, right? Yeah. And it's just, man, to to be in that situation where you're potentially absent from your child's life for half of their, potentially half of their life, right? 20 years, you know? And now in a hospital that you might pass and have this heavy burden of thinking, hey, you know, I didn't spend the time that I wanted to spend for 20 years with my child. I, that's just, that's, wow. Yeah, that's, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah. So, so talk to your kids. <laughs> if, you're, if, if, you know, it's, you know, you can have drama, you can have, you know, what family doesn't, but man, you know, yeah. that's a huge regret to yeah. have that yeah. potentially I'm going to pass and I haven't seen my child, the to my child, 20 years because of drama, right? Yeah. I mean, it's something it's, to think about. It's, yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, sometimes you, you know, you don't realize the impact that it does after many years for over a decision that you didn't agree right, with. Right, right. You know, so a lot of the times, you know, that things happen. But, you know, there's always, like you said, there's always family conflict. That's yeah. in everybody. Nobody's ever perfect. Sure. Uh, no family's perfect. There's always drama involved, but it was sad to hear that you know he pretty much isolated his his daughter. Right. right. Like, so I have to ask you, what would you say is the the secret sauce to you know going through what you went through? You know whether it's a coping mechanism or a a you know something that you can share with the viewers. You know for their lives, if you know they're going through a severe hardship, you know. Do you have any suggestions for our viewers? I would say listen to ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> I see. That was that was my coping. Right. Sorry. That was my coping mechanism. Um, yeah. I listen to a lot of ASMR. Yeah. I'm very weird like that. Um, I also too, um, you know, doing things that you like to have fun with. You know, I used to love painting. Um, I'm not a painter, honestly. I'm not like very artsy person, but it was just to get my mind off of things. Mm-hmm. Um, also, too, like I would, you know, do watch documentaries on Netflix or things like that. They're like, you know, getting your mind off. Of getting things. my mind off of right. things. Um, also, trying to go out, you know, with my friends, my family. Yeah. Uh, we did a lot during the. Um, when the pandemic was kind of starting to slow down, I would go with my sister and my mom. We would take a drive out, like upstate, go on hiking, you know, watch the waterfalls, things like that to kind of get our minds off from 
you know. Right. When you're away, when you're away from the war zone. Exactly. That's what you did. And I would say, you know, do the things that you and, you know, enjoy in life, you know, go hiking, camping, you know, get out at times. Sometimes you just need a little bit of a break, you know, a mental break, I would say. Absolutely. Um, But... You know, don't be afraid, be courageous, you know, give it all you got. And, you know, it will make you a stronger, trust me, it will make you a stronger person and you will conquer everything. Like, yeah. that's very much. If you if we can conquer COVID, I think we can conquer anything Absolutely. else. Because, Absolutely. like, you know, obviously nobody knew how severe it was going to get. But look at us now. Look, we're in 2023. Yep. We're not wearing masks. That's we're right. able to be close to each other. It's not six feet apart or, or but you know, it, it's not like that anymore. So now it's like so controlled. Um, and I remember like having, I, I was afraid to even cough or even sneeze because people will look at you like, oh no, she has COVID. You know, so like <laughs> now it's not as as scary, but like, if you see somebody without a mask and they're coughing yeah. and they're sneezing, like, yeah. you know, first thing comes in mind, it's like, oh, they have COVID, you know? So it's like, <laughs> yeah. but now it's like that fear. Yeah, I, I think everybody we're, has we're almost, down. Yeah, I think we're almost probably at pre-pandemic yeah, time. Like, I would as say As far that, as everybody yeah. seems to be, you know, pretty, you know, routine as, you, as usual, back to normal, I guess. But definitely during, uh, during the heat of it, you know, it seemed to me that, you know, being true to your mission and making sure that you have that that social support during that time yeah. in the hospital, right? That really helped you, pat, you know, push through. Oh, would yeah. you agree? Yeah, that's I like would, the, a, a thousand percent agree. Yeah. If it wasn't, honestly, I can't yeah. say anything yeah. uh, bad about the hospital and yeah. the staffing. Um, everybody has been wonderful. Um, huge support system, I would say, from everybody. Whether it came from doctors, um, nurse practitioners, PAs, ancillary team, and as well as nurses, we all came together, you know, and try to help each other out, you know, because we were all, you know, we were all afraid. I'm, right. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, we were all afraid in the beginning. We didn't know what to expect, and you know, people coming up with good yeah. ideas yeah. and like we should do this and we should do that, um, but. Honestly, you know, I, I can't say anything bad because um, everybody, honestly, everybody was so loving and supporting and we all, you know, we were all going through it. Would you say that you all had that passion to, to help people? Yeah. That, that's what, again, it's a burning building of COVID patients, yeah. essentially, right? Like, would you say that was what? motivated you guys together to go into that heart of that yeah. fire i believe um, that everything that we had that yeah. yeah we right. knew what we were getting yeah, ourselves yeah, into right, right. and it's the risks that come with it you know not just only developing covid but you can get anything else exactly. you know there's exactly. different types of diseases and bacterias and things right. like that so you know the risks that you're taking but we knew that that was our mission. Right. We knew that we wanted to make sure that these patients made it out alive, yeah. that they would be going home to see their family members. Um, you know, we wanted to make sure that they were stable, and that was most important. Know, most so, important. So you and your comrades. Exactly. Wow. And yeah, it was a tough time, but yeah. you know, we had some fun times as well. You know, we tried yeah. to make it bring yeah. in humor. Sure. You know, people had. Uh, that had stayed there for long periods of time. We, um, they had to celebrate their birthdays in an enclosed room, wow. and then we would go and you know do a little birthday song and like do you know write a little piece of paper even with like the markers that we'd use and write happy birthday or give them like a little oh. like cupcake so so that they don't feel so alone because most of the time we were pretty much shutting the door and then they're staying in there for days you know they're not able to walk out of the unit they the only way that they could walk you know was inside their rooms because we didn't want it to transfer to the staff that was our biggest fear that if we got sick then who's going to take care of the patients Mm -hmm. you know so we at the same time we 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 had fun you know we enjoyed it 
we improvised when we didn't have things. Um, I remember I was wearing a mechanic suit, like onesie, like that, because we, I didn't want to wear just a gown. I put on an entire thing. I had a cap on. I had goggles. I had a shower cap. Wow. And on, t and, and on, on top, top of, of the, the mask. On top of everything. <laughs> yeah, so like on everything. And I remember my mom made a... a she made like some weird spray with, she put like bleach. I don't know. I don't think it was even safe to breathe it in, to be honest. But she put like bleach, alcohol. She put fabuloso in there to make it smell better. And something else thinking that that was going to kill whatever COVID was in the air. So she will tell me like, when you, before you walk in, just spray all over yourself. You come out of that room, spray all over yourself. And I would, I don't know why I even, you know, did it, but, you know, I was just, I guess, because I didn't want them to, you know, catch it. So I would just spray myself and then people would look at me like, just, what is that? And I'm like, don't ask. I said, my mom made it, but I don't even know what's in it. I think it, um, all you see is like a purple solution there <laughs> of the fabuloso that she loves to use. Yeah. And, um, you yeah, know, it was, it was fun times at the same time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but you know what? It's like the, the old saying, the hottest fire makes the strongest steel. So even though I think you got into the profession during this crazy time, I think it helps define you as, you know, who you are as a yeah. nurse, you know, because if you, as you mentioned, if you can get through the pandemic as a nurse, yeah. Come on, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, like you can do anything. You can, you can yeah, do anything. You can do but, anything. But Jessica, I don't know how else <laughs> to better end this. Thank you so much. It's an Thank honor you. for you to come on and help document this crazy time in human history. Um, you, you are the, my definition of a hero. Every day, just no. no I'm, I'm just serious. Like you know, you, you, you. A definition of a hero for me is doing the things that you don't want to do, even though it's like be potentially dangerous to your health. So, yeah. you know, God bless you and thank you so much for all that you do. Um, what are you up to now, by the way? Uh, you're, are you studying for anything or? Well, I'm applying actually to become a nurse practitioner. Nice. Yeah. So um, I'm kind of in between whether to become a family nurse practitioner or become an acute um, care geriatric nurse practitioner. I'm still kind of, I don't know if I want to do from for a family, you know, from like the babies to older age or just stick with yeah. my older generation, yeah. which I think, I think I kind of gearing towards the older generation. I love my old people. They're yeah. so cute. Yeah. Um, I just love having, you know, conversations with yeah. them. And I think, I think I will be much happier if I do go through that. Jessica, that whatever you choose, yeah. <laughs> I, I know you're going to be amazing. At well, thank that, you. Thank but. you. But all right, Jessica, thank you so much for thank coming you. on. Really appreciate you. Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you, you so much. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Jing's Mortgage Team. Jing's Mortgage Team is a team of real estate mortgage professionals whose mission is to help anyone with their real estate needs. If you're looking to buy a home, sell a home, refinance your home, have credit issues, or in need of an investment loan, we can definitely help you. If you're looking for a real estate agent, we know the best of the best real estate agents. Visit the link below for more information.